Hello and welcome to a very, very special edition of the S Una Final podcast. Uh, it is actually uh, the biggest episode of the S Una Final podcast because it is uh, doing the uh, previewing the biggest game in La Liga and the biggest game in club football, basically, not just La Liga. We are previewing the El Clasico between Barcelona and Real Madrid at the Camp Nou, the first El Clasico after Lionel Messi and Sergio Ramos's departure from Spain to the same club for of all clubs, of course. <laughs> uh, but uh, let me welcome some very special people in this podcast, some absolute superstars from football Twitter. As always, I have my co-host Charlie here with us. I have Kai, I have Sahil, and I have Neil. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, it, uh, a warm welcome uh, to the yeah. Una Final podcast. Pleasure to be here, man. Pleasure to be great. here. Great, Honored great, great. And I, I do see, Charlie, you and I are a bit outnumbered, right? Yes, yes, we yeah, are. Right. But that is okay. Just we want as many different opinions as possible. As much yes. discussion about this game. As as long as the outnumbering thing is flipped during the game, Charlie and I will take it. <laughs> uh, all right. So as as usual, what we do during these preview podcasts uh, in the Asuna Final Pod is. Uh, uh, we talk about the starting lineups, we talk about the uh, tactics of both teams, and uh, we talk about some other dynamics of, of the games. Uh, so since Barcelona is playing home, let's uh, let's begin with Barcelona. Uh, I will actually start with Kai. Uh, Kai, what is your best 11 for this game for Barcelona and what you think Koeman uh, would go with? The two can be obviously different. Uh, I, would, I would just start with your point of view on here. I won't change a lot uh, in comparison to the last uh, game because I don't think there's a lot of choice. And in the dynamics, I would keep um, Dest uh, up front. And I, I'll just put Baude, which I highly doubt Kuman would do, given that he's coming from injury. Uh, but I just don't think we can sacrifice Dest's contribution on the right. So I'll have him there uh, accompanied with Memphis and Ansu. I didn't have the classical uh, Bussi. I don't think Pedro is available, so it's uh, Gavin, Frankie, uh, and then the normal uh, back line, um, which is, would be with uh, Pique, Eric, and Mingueza. Um, and then finally, um, um, Balde uh, at the left. So that would be my 11. All right. So, so you are going with three at the back, right? More or less. I mean, for me, I've always said that it's more or less always the same type of stuff. So, yeah. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Sahil, uh, any changes from what uh, what Kai just mentioned? Uh, not really, to be honest, because he's spot on with the 11. Uh, with regards to the injuries and uh, squad depth we have got, I think that's the uh, best lineup Koman can choose, basically going with the uh, three back so he can basically you know alter with uh dest going up and then when in defense he can drop deep and make it more like a 5-4-1 vertical pressing system more or less so i think he's uh correct with that and uh, perfectly echoes my thought over there all right all right neil any any different thoughts or something you'd like to see that is different from these two no not at all um it's not like barcelona are stacked with choices so uh... I don't really think that I would change anything that is, at the moment, our strongest 11. Um, 
Jordi Alba, if he's fit, will start, but that is um, a bit of a doubt right now. So, yeah, the same 11 as the other guys. All right. Uh, Charlie, we will, you and I will talk about the Barcelona lineup as well, but uh, just to, uh, you know, complete the thing, if we talk about our Real Madrid's starting 11, the only change I would be looking at from the Shakhtar game is to put uh, Carvajal uh, in place of Lucas Vasquez or Nacho, whoever is was otherwise taught at right back for Real Madrid. And my reasoning would be, like, again, I love Carvajal. He's he's like one of the defensive pillars since Ramos and Varane are now gone. But I don't really trust his fitness in the long term, even during this season. So rather than resting him for uh, the other teams that are coming up, I would rather play an 80% uh, Dani Carvajal over 150% Lucas Vasquez, to be honest, against uh, Ansu Fati and uh, Memphis at this point of time. Uh, other than that, I think the exact same team sh- that started against Shakhtar should start again. Do you have anything different on your mind? I don't have a single difference. I, Carvajal, I think, will be the only difference slotting in at right back. I just don't think... Uh, Lucas Vasquez was quite good against Shakhtar, but... Uh, mm. He's just not the 1v1 defender that Danny Carvajal is. Mm. And that's not saying Danny Carvajal is this exceptional defender, but he is much better than Lucas Vasquez as he's a traditional right back. So that, that'd be the only change I would make. And I think, yeah, it'll stay the same from the Shakhtar game. Yep. And like if we if we are starting Rodrigo and Vinicius on the two wings, those guys give some defensive coverage naturally. But when you're playing Lucas, I think it's on Rod... It, it, it doesn't really let Rodrigo flow the way he wants because there is always in his in his, that that's always on his back of his mind that he has to defend probably slightly more than usual. But with Carvajal, I think he can be liberated a bit more uh, up front as well. Uh, the only one thing that the Spanish press has been contemplating is probably playing Fede Valverde uh, as a right winger, which I don't think will happen because uh, like you can obviously bring him bring bring him in the second half. Uh, there is no other reason to tinker with anything with the with the team that played against Shakhtar. Yep, All right. I agree. Uh, as a, as the starting lineups uh, uh, are done, now we can get probably get uh, get on with some other tactical stuff. Uh, I'll once again start with Kai. Uh, so, Kai, what we saw, I I don't know if you have seen the Real Madrid Shakhtar game uh, with that much yeah, detail. Did. All right, all right, that 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 makes things easier actually. So, uh, uh, as Real Madrid showed things that they can do really well, and at the same time showed things that they can do really bad in the Shakhtar game. Uh, when I say things that they can do really well, is obviously their mid block was really compact. It wasn't that narrow. And uh, the two lines, their defensive line and their midfield line was pretty close to each other. It did not let Shakhtar create anything through their, you know, through the middle. Uh, and also Militao and Alaba were switching uh, back and forth as the aggressor of the center backs quite well. Real Madrid only pressed when Shakhtar spread the ball out wide. Like this was probably the best defensive display under Carlo Ancelotti until now. Like, although like Shakhtar were not, exquisite in offense either but it was still good but what madrid does really bad is they try to press shakhtar really high at times within shakhtar's box and then the goalkeeper would just play play one good pass and real madrid's entire structure is broken like madrid has been suffering against teams who play really good 
you know, out from the back. And Barcelona most definitely plays better than Shakhtar playing out from the back. With even even if we just talk about that specific move, the goalkeeper playing out a long pass, Ter Stegen can do that way better than Shakhtar's goalkeeper. Uh, and with ball carriers like Frankie and uh, even Gavi in the middle. So uh, how do you see Barcelona's dynamics against a Madrid side that can do certain things really well and also screw up regarding certain things? Well, I would say that there's a common issue in both teams, and that's pressing. Uh, you've mentioned that, you know, Ancelotti's pressing has certain issues that have not really been solved. And at Barcelona, it's pretty similar in the sense that there are way too many passes that are allowed through the middle. Um, so that's definitely going to be a very big issue uh, for Barcelona. Um, but then I expect uh, Memphis and Ansu and possibly, hopefully, Frankie to have a major role into deciding whether Barcelona is going to be good or bad. Uh, and that's mostly because I think uh, the number of 1v1s or 2v1s if the fullbacks can accompany, uh, the number of times Barcelona can reproduce this pattern, the better it will be for them. Uh, because if they can't, it's hard to see Barcelona having a B plan, uh, as it was shown a lot of times. Uh, and to me, that's the key issue is to what extent can Barcelona rely on what they have done throughout the season, given that it's almost impossible to see Koeman uh, getting somehow a, a magic rabbit and pulling out another tactical plan. I just don't see that happening. Uh, and then, of course, the key is to what extent PK and whoever partners him can stop uh, Real Madrid, because uh, looking at Real Madrid this season, the hardest thing is not really you know to attack against them, it's to defend against them. Uh, and how do you defend, for example, against Vinicius and Benzema? Uh, and that's a big issue, uh, given that um, Vinicius is very fast, let's face it. He's on a great goal-scoring um, form. And then you have Benzema as well, who can, you know, uh, actually isolate uh, players really well. And I think that's Barcelona's main issue, is that their players get isolated very well. So I see that um, Madrid's attacking uh, prowess is actually tailor-made for Barcelona's weaknesses. Uh, and so that's the question, to what extent uh, can both sides profit from each other? And whoever scores first will have the advantage of, you know, not having the panic of, you know, getting outscored by the other. Uh, because if you look at the last Clasicos, uh, even though I know there was Messi and Ramos and etc., uh, you have the common pattern that each time, uh, maybe even if the game was closed, Real Madrid uh, scores the first goal, usually, uh, and then uh, Barcelona faltered, uh, and Barcelona want to avoid, you know, that situation of, you know, being uh, behind because uh, you can see how much they panic uh, from the very beginning they score. Yes, that is that is a great point, and uh, I'll actually the point that you made that Real Madrid's attack is probably tailor made to exploit Barcelona's weaknesses. The same thing can be said about Real Madrid as well. The Real Madrid's defense is tailor-made that Barcelona will take advantage with their strengths. And that is the point I'm going to talk to you three, Neil, Sahil, and uh, Charlie. This time I'll, I'll start with Neil. So, Neil, Real Madrid has suffered uh, from set pieces and also from crosses significantly this season like again like yourself Sergio Ramos and Rafael Varane in the same window you do suffer like that but still even we have seen Casemiro who is otherwise usually a good player in the air he has suffered in defensive situation so has Militao and Alaba Alaba not like 
as great as a player he is, he's probably not the best aerial defender. Now, do you see uh, Kuman bringing in uh, De Jong, uh, Luke De Jong, that is, uh, in, in any capacity for, for that reason, just to exploit that weakness of Madrid? Neil? Um, I could see Kuman bringing in Luke De Jong at some point in the game to exploit that. But in this case, I would say the Barcelona's biggest miss is Ronald Araujo, who is always a threat, whether it's from corners or from free kicks. Um, so not only are we going to miss him defensively, but also um, offensively in some ways. Now, the issue I have with Luke de Jong is that the front line becomes too stagnant. He mm-hmm. doesn't offer you any energy. There's no pressing. And most importantly, there's no natural whip. With Memphis and with um, Ansu, we see that they constantly interchange positions, make runs in behind, and help in the build-up too. We've seen so many one-twos between them. With Luke de Jong, that facet of your game becomes limited, which is why when you weigh in the pros and the cons, yes, he may help um, aerially, which he hasn't done thus far. Um, I don't know how many headers he's won since joining, but it isn't much. So... um, when you do weigh in the pros and cons, I think that Kuman should and would probably stick with um, Dest, Ansu, and uh, Memphis up front. Right. Speaking of bringing in players that that were probably not be popular choice at the moment, Sahil, the question I have for you is: Madrid's right side of Madrid's defense is going to be a bit less powered than their left side. If Mendy is is charged, Madrid will be pretty be pretty solid on the left-hand side. We'll talk a little bit more about Mendy and Alaba in a, in a bit. But regardless of probably not 100% Carvajal or Lucas Vasquez or Nacho Madrid's right, right flank in defense would not be their best. So in that case, do you see Kuman probably thinking of overpowering Barcelona's left wing with Memphis? Uh, Balde was spoken about Kai. Also maybe bring in a Coutinho because he can also cut make those cutbacks from from the left. So, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, so, I think your point is correct that uh, even if Madrid's left-hand side is pretty much solid, the right-hand side may uh, it may suffer a lot because uh, we have Ansu, Alba or Valde, uh, whoever plays, and then Memphis who can make those uh, triangle rotations on the left and can exploit with the overlapping or underlapping runs. But uh, the key point for me is the tactical... Uh, is the tactical tinkerings which Madrid can make, which one I have probably observed in the last Clasico, which happened at Camp Nou, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I think this ex- this pretty much same uh, issue happened that Madrid's right side was suffering and Ansu was making runs. And I think he uh, even scored from that one uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nacho like completely lost him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. So, uh, in the second half, Asensio was made as the uh, auxiliary right back and Madrid temporarily shifted to uh, five back, which made Ansu's runs predictable. I, uh, not really predictable, but uh, Asensio and I think Vasquez was there. They both pretty much handled him well. So, I think uh, this time as well, uh, this same thing can happen that uh, once Barcelona start to overload your left side, uh, then... Uh, 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 and Slotty can do this time tactical tinkering because Koman doesn't really have any clue on how to uh, how to be smart over here and use it to his advantage. So uh, I'm pretty much expecting the same to happen that uh, once their left side is pretty pretty much uh, being caught out by 
uh, Ansu, then uh, this tactical tinkering will happen. Yeah. Yeah. you know guys you don't having you guys don't having any faith in coman at all makes me remember remember the 1920 19 uh, sorry 18 19 season until zidane came back like every game it was pretty much the same for us when lopetegui and solari were around like we knew like all right you you're not going to get this right <laughs> right charlie coming back to you mate so we've we've spoken a lot about real madrid's weaknesses and strengths uh, on the left side as well uh i i want to talk a little bit about madrid's press right now uh how bad real madrid's press can be was exposed to the extremes by viarial and uh, even in in the esuna final pod uh, we we zack told us about that if you try to overpress this viarial team they have very good ball players who would not be able to do it now when we talk about players with extreme press resistance we have to talk about sergio busquets and frankie de jong and even worse that de jong and gavi are both pretty good ball carriers as well and not only they can evade the press themselves they can advance the ball themselves without having to pass it to you know necessary outlets what do you see based on the shakhtar game at least does madrid go with that kind of extensive uh, pressing approach or they lay a bit back like they stayed against shakhtar charlie i don't know the next time we'll see a press like we saw against shakhtar i don't think they will do that very often if ever mm. again because that was just so out of the ordinary for this real madrid side mm. and it's so on what carlo ancelotti is used to and i am just about 100% sure that Real Madrid will not sit back against Barcelona and they're not going to do that same kind of press. I am the one thing I will say about the press is I am very very happy that Toni Kroos is back now and he's back in the lineup because their Real Madrid's uh, rest defense is much 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 more stable with him because when you have players like Luka Modric and Fede Valverde they're all over the, in the final third and the upper part of the midfield third when Real Madrid has possession and then when Real Madrid loses the ball they're so far out of position and it makes it very tough for them to track back Toni Kroos tends to play in more of a deeper role as we all know and he's in a much better position to get back um when Real Madrid lose the ball. So having him and Casemiro in the side creates kind of like a box almost with the center backs. They can pr- protect almost the half spaces and the middle area, which will be very very key cuz Real Madrid's transition defense has been awful this season. It's one of the worst mm-hmm. I've seen in quite some time. And it's now the uh, Tony Cruz is back. I think that will be the first portion in uh repairing that rest defense and I think that's the uh, biggest part of Real Madrid's press in this that they will have that bit more protection with the german back in the side. All right. Uh something interesting I noticed in the Shakhtar game is that Tony Cruz usually if on the games that he plays in that like quarterback role between the two center backs, you know, just distributing from the back, he doesn't act as the main, you know, press aggressor from the midfield. But uh, Modric was Modric usage was a bit strange to me in this game. Like he obviously had a good game both Modric and Cruz, but Toni Kroos kind of acted like that quarterback and he was also joining Benzema and Vinicius in the press. So so that kind of surprised me because usually if Cruz is sitting back, Modric is the one who is leading the press from the midfield, but uh, yeah, that was that was a bit different. The next thing uh I have one thought about Casemiro is like Lionel Messi like leaving barcelona is obviously the best 
thing that has happened to Real Madrid in 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 El Clasico terms in a long long time. Uh, there is no no argument about that. Although like he, he didn't really score much or at all in the last uh, last few Clasicos, but still, Casemiro's you know on the ball playing is is uh, a matter of concern for Real Madrid. Charlie would know, and all of you who follow Real Madrid would know what I'm talking about. Specifically during El Clasico's, Casemiro's only role have has been largely to shadow Messi and not, you know, let him get loose or anything. Uh, just man mark him for large stretches of the game. And Madrid would set up their positional uh, game based on that, that Casemiro would not be used as an outlet or, or an anchor like that. But now that Messi is gone... Uh, he doesn't have anyone to man mark that way. So if Madrid give in and try to use him as a passing outlet, I don't know how much how much that would work because Barcelona still, I think, almost anyone can outpress Casemiro and take the ball away. He, he's not comfortable uh, under the press. But if if Casemiro is just you know hanging about there and not not really sure about what he he's supposed to do then it could be troublesome for Madrid. That's what I think. Charlie, any thoughts on that? Um, yes. He is obviously, I don't want to say atrocious in possession, but he's by far not the best uh, outlet. <laughs> but I don't think that it matters, his role in possession, because one, we know he's not going to be dropped for this match for a mm-hmm. multitude of reasons, yeah, mainly team absolutely. structure. And two, because Ancelotti's not just going to rotate and take out his uh, single defensive-minded midfielder for this mm. game without having experimented at all. So I think it's a bit of a moot point to talk about dropping him or anything like that. But yes, I we're not going to see much from him in possession unless it's him getting into the box for crosses late on or things like that. Some of like the Casa Hero moments where he goes forward and is <laughs> trying trying to score for him. If nothing is falling for them, I think that's about the only thing we'll get out of him in possession other than just recycling the ball and making simple side-to-side passes. Yes, and also, like, uh, and Casemiro is one of the strengths is, although Real Madrid's transition defense is not not really good, but to make those key interceptions or tackles uh, with, just, with just his core strength, Casemiro can be useful in that regard. But if he's, like, used to mark uh, Busquets or Frankie de Jong, that's not just going to work. They're going to, like, pass the ball around him and round him. Uh, all right, uh, I'll I'll go back to Barcelona. Kai, bringing this back again. Let's let's. I think we've talked about many serious stuff for for quite some time. Let's let's do little trivia uh, right now. So, since the start of 2013 and 14, only two players for Real Madrid have scored against Barcelona in games that were not managed by Zidane or Ancelotti. Who are those two players? No, you can like take like seven years, man. You got, everyone's going to answer, <laughs> answer yeah. quick. That's going to take a time. Uh, I would say Nacho uh, would be my first guess. And the second, I'd assume, um, would be Hamas. No. Charlie, what are your picks? I want to say Ramos and... Uh, I'll repeat the question. Not managed by Zidane or Ancelotti. 
Uh, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Sahil? <laughs> I don't have a clue, but I will uh, randomly go with like... Come on, man. You guys haven't like conceded that many goals uh, not under <laughs> Zidane or, or Ancelotti. You should know that. Uh, Neil, you, you have you have any idea? Um, well, yes, I know Benzema and Modric. Um, I don't uh, no, 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 man. All of these are wrong <laughs> answers. All right, so so it's Marcelo and Lucas Vasquez. So Marcelo Whoa, scored. Okay. Mar- Marcelo scored the only goal uh, uh, when we lost five uh, one at the Camp Nou, uh, and and then Lucas Vasquez scored un- under Solari in the one one draw mm. in the Copa del Rey game. Apart from these two, like Solari and uh, Lopetegui, they played four Clasicos. Remember, they scored two goals, lost three games. But uh, yeah, apart from that, and even like I was, I was, I, I just thought that I probably haven't asked the question right. But then I realized that there was one Clasico under Benitez and we didn't win that either. No one scored in that either. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, so any anything else from the Barcelona perspective, you guys want to want to bring up uh, open floor guys i'll say i'm oh, sorry have at it have at it okay okay i'd say there's a huge psychological uh, impact uh, which is that basically i feel at least uh, you might correct me on that one but madrid are on a more high ground like way more than barcelona as of right now uh it's i mean if you look at the form it's already quite telling uh, but also, if you look generally at the players, I mean, you have Vinicius, Benzema, who are literally, you know, having the years of their lives, more or less. And then you have Barcelona, who, well, the only player you could argue that was more or less about, you know, to be on his great stuff would be Ansu. Uh, and he's not had such a good game in the last game as well. So that tells you a lot. Um, and there's a huge, you know, confidence issue because if you look at the last Classicals, we haven't won a Classico in like years. Uh, I don't. I think that one was like in 1819 or something. Yeah, that was under Solari. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was in 1819, which tells you a lot because in the history of Classicals where you had Messi, etc. Uh, well, okay. And uh, now we, as you said before, we don't have Messi either, so that's going to be fun to see, you know, how that goes. Um, and especially when you look at our last wins, I mean, we have, we have, we've had the 1-0. Uh, and then, well, in the Champions League, we've been an absolute disaster. And in La Liga, we've been a roller coaster more or less. Uh, I'm not saying that Madrid are exactly stable, but they're less of a roller coaster than Barcelona, uh, if you look on the negatives. Uh, so I feel that that psychological battle uh, will matter a lot, like way more. And I'm actually intrigued to see how Gavi actually reacts, because we hail him. You know, as the dude that is like has got the mentality, gets yellow cards, uh, basically you Casemiro more or less at this point. Um, and I'm wondering whether his world will be determining into you know Barcelona not breaking down. Though I'm expecting us to break down, so not really the short term thing. But um, yeah, the psychological uh, battle will, will be to me the most interesting. Yep, uh, Casemiro like gets banned at least twice a season. He gets like 
you know those five yellow <laughs> card accumulations yeah. and one of them is like uh, at least two of them is reserved was reserved for messi office like 12 15 <laughs> yellow cards so we, we might get squared of two yellow cards i do agree on the psychological impact but uh, but i think from barcelona's perspective it might seem that the you know psychological difference is huge but in reality it's not a lot of real madrid's high scores has been about you know false narratives this season you know we have scored a lot of goals despite being very poor defensively and not having to you know uh, face quality opponents like barcelona the only game that we oh. really faced a quality opponent was inter milan and we literally got saved our asses were saved by Thibaut Courtois. That w- that would have been a bloodbath. Yeah. I would agree, but the thing is, you're gonna get more confident by scoring goals, but by not scoring goals, uh, and that's the exact <laughs> issue. Is that Barcelona <laughs> literally struggling to score goals? I mean, mm. if you have your attackers scoring three, four goals whatsoever, uh, you can more or less rely on them, hoping they can sustain that which, mm. of course, I don't believe they'll continue to score as much, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas on Barcelona's side, who are you confident on? Because uh, you budget fantasy, you, you can confidently say, I trust Vinicius Benzema. Uh, in Barcelona, well, you're not really sure. Uh, you don't really, you have Ansu, who's literally, you know, still coming off injury whatsoever. You have Memphis, who has some issues, uh, is sort of the only dude that remains there and somehow hopes to score whatsoever uh and then you have the third guy which we, we never know who it is uh you have Dest, which is not he's not supposed to finish in the first place uh and then you have luke de jong well i think we've uh basically backlash him enough and don't need to develop on him yeah uh so at this point and for example in your case you, when you have Kroos and Modric, you have a very high you know uh sort of you know reliability uh, we at Barcelona right now, uh, Frankie hasn't barely been involved uh, last game. As a matter of fact, he has had less of 15 passes with Busquets, uh, which is a horrible start, to be fair. Um, so I definitely feel that the fact that you score goals gives you a lot more confidence than not scoring goals. Yeah. Yep, makes sense. A- anything else to add, guys, a- for anyone? It's um, control. So for me, the crucial thing here is how Barcelona play on the ball. Because we've been very unpredictable. In the first game against L'Areal, you saw this free-flowing football. We score four goals and everything looked great. And then you go to Athletic Bilbao and you can't get out with your own half. <laughs> and that sort of trajectory has um, followed up the entire season against um, Dinamo Kiev last week. Barcelona's on-field positioning was atrocious. The spaces in midfield and from defense was quite shocking, to be honest. So I think that in order to win this game, both sides have to outscore each other. I know that's a very very um, obvious thing to say, but I don't think defenses are going to win. It's not going to be like a 1-0, and I'm probably going to jinx this now, but it's probably <laughs> not going to be a 1-0. So I think Bas- the best thing Barcelona can do is focus on building up from the back and getting those spaces um, correct so that they can hurt Real Madrid's um, already vulnerable defense slash defensive structure. So that's my um, key takeaway. Cool. Anything else to add, Sahil or Charlie? I just had a quick question for any of the Barcelona guys, so anyone can take this. My fellow countryman, Serginio Dest, I have a bit of an affection for him despite him playing for Barcelona. Obviously, I mean, this is, he is American, and it's cool to see them succeed or 
play. I wouldn't say succeed so far, but it play in Europe. So um, coming into this game, I mean, I think there are three different roles you could kind of see him playing in, like on the right wing, at right back, or at left back. And with Vinicius Jr. being on such a good run of form right now, where do you see Sergio Dest playing? I know you all pretty much said you see him playing at right wing, but where do you think is the best position for him this game? Not what Koeman wound up doing, because, I mean, if Jordi Alba's not playing, there's something to be said for him playing at left back and playing Sergio Roberto at right back. There's something to be said for him trying to put him up against Vinicius Jr. at right back. And then, like you guys said, you could always just put him like he has been going on the right wing role. So whoever wants to take that, I just would love to hear your thoughts on what is the best or most needed position for him to play in in this match um should i should i do it kai that okay? Yeah, go ahead. okay yeah so for me in this particular game there is only one position that can play is and play in and that is on the right as an auxiliary winger slash wingback because it's all about the wit right um death at the moment in dembele's absence is the only player who provides genuine natural wit we saw Kuban experiment with Gavi in some sort of 4-2-3-1 on the right. But for me, Dest, with his one-on-one um, -on -one ability and pace and ability to take on players, is probably the only player Kuban can go with um, to provide any sort of width on the right. Um, I don't know if the guys would agree or disagree, but that's where I stand. Um, well, finally enough, I disagree and agree at the same time. Um, I disagree in the sense that he does provide width to a certain sense, but at the same time, he doesn't uh, because, yes, he will stay position wide, but he'll very happily cut inside, join in the midfield and dribble the hell out of any player. Uh, so <laughs> the, the question, the thing is, uh, again, uh, if you look at, you know, the general setup, yes, he does provide width, but more out of possession than in possession. Uh, the thing about what Charlie asked, I'd say, is that we have a key player and his name is Mingueza if he doesn't get subbed off, which is commands. <laughs> Caprice, whatsoever. Uh, but the thing is, I would trust Minguesa more uh, because simply he's better at defending. Uh, I think that's well established fact. And the second thing is, I don't see if you put Best deeper, you're not going to benefit from him uh, because A, that means that he can be pressed more easier, uh, which even though he's press resistant, you don't want to happen. And secondly, you want him, you know, as far uh, high up as you want. Uh, because uh, you want him to give the ball, which Barcelona doesn't understand because they only play on the left because the right wing is dead, more or less. Uh, let's face it, that, that's one of the issues when uh, before Mehdi asked, uh, you know, are, we, are you going to be more left-oriented? Well, of course, because otherwise, if we don't attack on the left, we don't attack at all. Both uh, so, yeah. I'd, I'd definitely say uh, that this needs to be as high up and possibly on the right. I remember the few games where he's playing on the left, and I think the first game, I don't remember which one, it was interesting, but I was not convinced because I think it was against Levante, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Levante's defense is not exactly world-class, to put it mildly, um, which is why I trust more left on the right. Uh, because having a guy that can actually do something on the right wouldn't be bad for a change. Um, and I'm hoping that somehow Frankie can, you know, somehow uh, get his form going whatsoever and assist um, uh, Des to actually, you know, do some stuff on the right. Uh, because, yes, you do have Mandy, who's very good, uh, as seen in the Shakhtar game. Uh, but then, you know, how good he, can he be? And in each sense, when you have a guy like Des and possibly one guy next to him that can, you know, compensate for him, which I see in Frankie, for example, 
that means that he's going to disorganize your already disorganized block, uh, which would be the perfect opportunity for browser. Uh, which is why, for me, this has to play on the right if you want anything going, uh, unless you want to really um, continue with the left plan or nothing. Uh, and I'm not exactly fond of doing that against Real Madrid in a Classico. Great. Sahil, anything to add to that? Uh, if Robert is starting this game, I will just say, just abandon it, take the win. <laughs> oh, Sergi Roberto against uh, Vinicius Jr. I'll, I'll, where do I yeah, sign? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm just getting PTSDs already, so you can just take the win, 3-0 win, and I won't even say a word about it. But uh, honestly, <laughs> though, uh, <laughs> but uh, honestly though, uh, Kai actually uh, brought up a great point about uh, Ming about bringing in Mingueza because uh, in the past we have seen that whenever Mingueza is on form, he will just do the job. Like uh, in the Clasico, he scored a goal which was kind mm -hmm. of crucial because he kind of got oh, yeah. a hope side. And then in Park, and then at Park the Princess in the first half, how he uh, pocketed Mbappe. Like I, I thought that he used correct techniques but somehow he got a yellow and then again Koman just uh, dragged him out of the game and now unnecessarily uh, Koman has again uh, freezed Mingueza for no absolutely no reason at all. So uh, if he's somehow planning, if Koman is listening to this, please play Mingueza on the right, on the right and just on the left because this brings us an advantage because Mingueza will track back definitely. I'm not saying this doesn't do it, that's also of course does it. But uh, Mengueza defensively does better than this. And then on the left, we can actually create the overloads, which I was talking about. Uh, so what they can do is, uh, this can create, uh, this can help with the uh, overlapping runs on the left. And Ansu can, you know, uh, pin the Madrid back line over there. Like, uh, he can station in between the uh, left back and the, uh, yeah, sorry, the right, uh, the right back and the right center back of Real Madrid. So this way, uh, we can get an outlet through which we can score. So I think if this can work, then we have some chance of scoring some. So yeah, that's fine. Speaking of Sergio Roberto and PTSD, uh, trust me, he has caused enough of that to Real Madrid fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that uh, he he passed that ball to Messi right in the 17 Classico. Yeah, yeah. Like Messi yep. took the shirt and amazing. also like. Uh, he scored against PSG and the 6-1 win. So he has, he has, as far as PTSD is concerned, he has done enough in, in the football world. Uh, all right, uh, time for predictions. Uh, unless, Charlie, you have anything else to add for Real Madrid? I don't think so. I would think this has been great so far, and I don't want to go into some off on some weird <laughs> tangent here. So, no, I've right. got nothing else to say. All right, cool. So, two things I don't do for the Barcelona guys, that I don't predict games, and I don't take the name of Real Madrid's number seven until he scores a goal again. So, uh, yeah, I, I call him the Belgian winger, Belgium's captain, number seven winger, stuff like that. But uh, I, I've stopped calling his name since the Chelsea game, Chelsea second leg. Uh, and I'll, I'll continue to do so until he scores again. Uh, he has just had a new fresh haircut for, for his first El Clasico. I just again? saw the tweet. Yeah, again, it's probably his eight, eighth haircut uh, <laughs> since Real Madrid. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's that's that. So I'm not going to do the predictions, but I do have you guys to do that. Uh, I'll start with Charlie this time. Charlie, your predictions. I'm going to go with like 7-0. No, um, <laughs> uh, probably, probably... Uh, uh, Don't you jump off the cliff now. 
is my call. Um, that's pro- um, probably goals from two from Benzema, one from Vinicius and uh, oh, Memphis. Probably we'll go with that. Goals from Vinicius and Benzema again, really unique, Charlie. <laughs> no, they're, they're not coming anywhere else. I mean, <laughs> Very original. All right, uh, Sahil, what about your predictions? Uh, I think I will go with the standard three zero. And you know who will win that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. I won't say anything. <laughs> all right, Neil. Neil. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with three-one Barcelona. <laughs> I, I can't all right. wow. against Barcelona. You see that thing? And I'm gonna go with two for Ansu and one for PK. All right. All right. Okay. All right. One for PK. Wow, man, that's that's like you just yeah, had to do PK. that, right? I want the confidence which Neil has at this point. It's, it's not confidence. <laughs> I, just, I'm, I'm trying to be a good basketball. That's what. And, and and Charlie is the reason why you think Real Madrid is so confident. Like seven nil, really, Charlie? <laughs> 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 we can talk about like five. One of those like five losses back. So is the American. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kai, your prediction. I had predictions, but oh well, I guess here we go. So I'm also saying a free one for Real Madrid because I'm very original. Um, and <laughs> because I'm very original as well. <laughs> I'll say Benzema twice and Vinicius once. I'm very original. While on the prediction, uh, that will be a, maybe a surprise. I'm saying Gavi will, will get a goal. Uh, assisted right. by Jordi Alba. Right. All right. All right. Fantastic. Uh, this has been so much fun. This has uh, hands down been the best episode I think we have had so far in the Asuna Final podcast. We do uh, miss our friend uh, Michael who couldn't join us today. It would have been much more fun, obviously, with Michael as well. He could have been the referee between us as, as the Atletico fan, uh, but but probably we'll, we'll bring, bring him Means up. If... Respected. Uh, sorry? Means he wouldn't get respected and would get fought over or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Uh, if if we uh, definitely we gotta do this again for the Bernabeu leg as well, and if we face yeah. each other in the in the uh, uh, in the uh, Copa del Rey, and are we, is Real Madrid playing Barcelona in the Supercopa this year? We're playing Barcelona, right? I'm not sure. All right, all right. Like, whenever, whenever we, whenever we do this, like Barcelona faces Madrid again, I would love to do this one more time with you guys. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I hope this, this. I obviously hope uh, only one team wins here, and you know which team that is. But I hope this is a good game, uh, El Clasico. I hope it it builds up to the billing. And thank you so much once again for everyone joining. Thank you so much to our listeners and our viewers to watch this episode. Uh, Uh, We will be back with another one soon. Take care, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thank you.